Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm the Success Alchemist. You can find me at thesuccessalchemist.net, thewebalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com, Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist, Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw, True Social, Success Alchemist, and on Telegram, US UK Patriot. Today is the 10th, I'm sorry, the 8th of October. I was reading it the English way. The 8th of October 2022. And the title of today's show is Red October and COVID Death Shot. So I want to start by just covering some of the items that were actually covered by X-22 report and and we know in recent videos. So just a few little snippets of information. Um, I think it was X-22 quoted Q News Patriot channel on Rumble. Uh, Trump is still commander in chief and the Russia, Russia, Russia um, scam. Uh, the boomerang is coming and it will be biblical. Well, Bring it on, I say. Um, we've also seen the reports of a Russian nuclear submarine with doomsday weapons uh, disappeared from an Arctic harbour, which is capable of creating a 16-foot-tall radioactive tsunami. And this links to many of the Q-drops, which talk about Red October and it it links to the movie The Hunt for Red October in which um, a Russian nuclear submarine disappeared when the crew actually had decided to defect to the US. It's a really good movie actually if you haven't watched it I recommend it and um, this links to Q-Drop 2350 which was the 5th of October 2018 so um, a four-year delta a picture of a submarine docked in an arctic port the file name is red October 2.jpg and um, the view is that the military are smoking out the conspirators and this relates to the international interference in our country's elections which is an act of war and we know that five eyes which is uk australia canada new zealand and the us um, were spying on trump and we're coming to the point of i think the scare event and um, this was i think and we know a war threat precipice is being set up so this this relates to the Zelensky um, and Russia claims that if necessary they will use nuclear 
tactical nuclear weapons. Of course, Russia is very much on the white hat side, so I can't see that really happening as uh, initiated by Russia, certainly. And uh, Ukraine doesn't have, as far as I know, nuclear weapons. So, uh, But then you've got Biden, who has just... Um, ordered $290 million worth of an anti-radiation drug, which actually has um, some serious side effects. No surprise there. Uh, so it's kind of building up supposedly to some nuclear conflict. But, you know, the I don't believe that it'll happen because I do still believe that the White Hats are in control. And so it's really all a case of more optics, in my opinion. Um, the, they also report that many of the deep state or cabal companies are going belly up. Um, McDonald's supposedly is bankrupt. BlackRock, JP Morgan Chase, State Street, Vanguard, Bank of America all filed for bankruptcy. Now, I haven't had time to look into these to see the actual filings. So, um, obviously, until I can verify that, I'm just passing on the reporting from these videos. But um, we know the financial collapse is imminent because of the state of the stock market and um, and also just the the whole state of the economy itself. Ultimately, the cabal control world is falling apart and a phase two public reveal is coming. Our role is to reassure those who are just awakening or coming around to the realization of the truth. We're moving into an era of world peace, hope and light. And I call it LJPA, love, joy, peace and abundance. And it's worth going through this process to cleanse the world of the deep state demons. We're moving into an unbelievable time. And I do believe that. I think we're all here for a reason, you know, to support this whole process of removing these demons from the planet. So bring it on. Uh, Bob Alinsky is back in the news regarding the Biden crime family. Of course, he um, made some statements leading up to the 2020 election regarding the Biden corruption and had the documents to prove it. And of course, it was all um, hidden, uh, censored by the usual parties, the mainstream media, um, the uh, Hunter Biden laptop, of course, was um, suppressed by the FBI, the actual uh, investigation into it. And there was a report that came out in the last day or so saying that um, Hunter is likely to be charged for tax violations and his illegal gun application. And people were saying that, you know, those are such um, minimal charges, although he could end up with 10 years in, in prison. But, of course, it's not touching on all the child pornography and other materials on the laptop, which are quite honestly horrific. 
Um, I haven't seen all of them. I've seen when it first came out, I saw some thumbnails of uh, supposed videos from the laptop and that was enough for me. I didn't want to see the rest. So um, the final thing on this is a reference to QDrop4823. That was the 7th of October, all assets deployed. And people are also speculating that there's something major likely to happen on the 10th of October. Um, again, based on references in Q drops like the Mickey Mouse clock, which um, the hands were at 10 and 2. And they're speculating that because the 2 is 10 part, means it's 10 past 2, it's actually 10 10. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Um, it's also Columbus Day on the 10th. I don't know if that has any major significance, but. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. Um, we have been promised significant events on other dates that have not come to pass. But uh, I guess there's also disinformation out there to kind of keep the deep state on their toes. So I want to move on now to the vaccine death jab because there's more and more uh, evidence coming out of the harm that it is doing and um, I'm going to start with an article from Naomi Wolf actually and this is on her Substack uh, platform and it's called Outspoken with Dr Naomi Wolf and the title of the article which was uh, published October 4th, Lipid Nanoparticles, are they su subtly changing human beings? Are essential human qualities being destroyed by peg-coated industrial fats? Some of my essays are grounded in politics, the economy and the material world. Others reference the medical and scientific insights of the war room, stroke daily clout, Pfizer documents, research volunteers, along with other principal medical and scientific experts. This one asks questions. Please read it in that spirit. The spike protein haunts some of the good dissident doctors and honest scientists. The mRNA fragments, for their part, profoundly disturb others and all for good reasons. But it is the lipid nanoparticles, LNPs, in the mRNA injections that keep me up nights, feeling that the dystopia on Earth has now fully arrived. And the reasons for that include questions that border on the metaphysical as the LNPs, it seems to me, are able to negatively affect the very essence of our humanity. I recently had the bizarre experience of, of going to Manhattan after a wave of boosters had been rolled out. I remember standing on a crowded rooftop bar on top of a boutique hotel. Attractive couples flirted at tabletops. Singles crowded the cocktail area. The sun shone and everything looked normal. But I kept having the disconcerting sense that I was standing inside a hologram. I could not figure out what was wrong until I realised it looked like a crowd, but it did not feel like a crowd. I could see the people, of course, all around me. But I could not feel that dense, joyful, passionate, sparky, fractious energy of a human crowd pre-2020. 
I checked on what it felt like while walking on the city streets, and my impression was confirmed. There they were, the usual Manhattan throngs, surging along the sidewalks, but they were like pictures, like brightly dressed ghosts. The massive energy field, that sense of an island as a pulsing human generator, the electricity that had galvanised generations of newcomers to Manhattan, that was simply gone. Not only was that overall energy gone, I noticed too that, as Jamie Glazov and I discussed recently on his podcast, the mojo, the sexual energy of Manhattan's crowds was gone as well. The island used to be thronged with the rhythms of people whose crossing of one another's paths was like a flirtatious dance. There was a beat to the city, the human beat of sexuality and creativity and joy. Men and women, women and women, men and men now barely looked at one another. That dance of attraction, that flash of flirtation, that sideways glance that the streets of Manhattan always yielded between passing strangers and have done since the city began, the play of sexuality itself was so subdued or diluted as to be hard to sense or see at all. I walked into restaurants and hotels and the formerly beautiful young women tasked with greeting visitors looked like dancers in a scene out of a 19th century dance, macabre. They were uniformly pale or yellowish or had a grey cast to their complexions. They had circles under their eyes. The glow of good circulation, the radiance of health and sexual energy, all of which have been considered attractive for as long as humans have been courting, was gone. Crowds themselves were altered. Young adults were limping at scale. Men and women in their 40s and 50s, who looked as if they had been recently healthy, were now moving like 80-year-olds. People in vast numbers of all ages walked as if it was hurting them to move. Even teenagers and old, older children move like zombies or robots, drifting with seemingly no energy to spare. Smaller children did not squirm or race around. They sat vacantly on park benches or in restaurants, or they drifted like little wraiths beside their parents, focused on nothing. What happened? What happened to humanity? Many have described their loved ones being altered in some indefinable ways after they have been injected with mRNA vaccinations. People have spoken to me in distress about how they can't seem to feel the physical presence of their loved ones post-vaccination. It looks like the same person, they say with grief, if a bit paler, a bit more fatigued and ethereal, but it doesn't feel like the same person. Their thinking may be more rigid, their loved ones report sadly. They may be emotionally brutal. Attachments can seem less passionate, hugs more chilly. Body workers and physical therapists have spoken about their vaccinated patients' temperature being now altered. Their blood flow patterns changed. Even their energy fields, as they put it, being drained or weakened. Hey, I am from California. This essay asks questions about what could possibly cause inchoate changes in people post-mRNA vaccination and asks whether the lipid nanoparticles themselves may be profoundly altering human beings. Again, I am not proposing answers here but simply exploring possibilities. We know the physical cost of lipid nanoparticles due to some recent pioneering research. 
We know, for instance, that lipid nanoparticles cause inflammation. Dr. Robert Chandler of the War Room Daily Clout Pfizer Documents Research Volunteers re-established that, and it is also a fact that has been known for years. And it links to an article, uh, Pfizer used dangerous assumptions rather than research. We know that the LNPs, which their manufacturers boast, can cross every membrane in the human body, cross the placenta as fetal maternal medicine, Obgain, Dr. James Thorpe has demonstrated. And there's a link again to a video on BitChute. This is one reason the lies to pregnant women of pharmaceutical, medical and government spokesmodels in swearing that the mRNA injection ingredients could not cross the placenta are so egregious. We know that the LNPs do cross the blood-brain barrier. Indeed, they were designed to do that. Some of their earliest medical uses involved the delivery of medicine across the blood-brain barrier to target brain tumours. We know that Pfizer partnered this year with Acuitas Therapeutics, a private company based in Vancouver, Canada, which manufactured lipid nanoparticles to bring 10 more mRNA LNP-based vaccines into the market. Quote, Our swift delivery of the world's first mRNA LNP-based vaccine made clear the promise of mRNA LNP technology, said Mikhail Dolston, MD, PhD, Chief Scientific Officer and President Worldwide Research, Development and Medical of Pfizer Inc., we are making significant investments to harness the power of the mRNA LMP technology and deliver potential new breakthrough vaccines and therapeutics that address significant unmet needs for patients. This agreement expands our LNP capabilities and allows us to explore more projects within our existing vaccines area and new therapeutic areas where mRNA LMP technology holds potential for success. Acuitas is extremely proud that its LNP technology contributes to the success of community and is excited to be working with Pfizer to advance new vaccines, said Acuitas Therapeutics CEO Dr. Thomas Madden. So, industrial fats treated with polyethylene glycol, PEG, can cross every membrane in the human body, including the brain. What could possibly go wrong? My own aversion to LNPs, an aversion that led me not to choose to receive an mRNA injection, arose from simply reading on various LNP production and distribution websites how still experimental and how weirdly off the shelf this material is. You can order lipid nanoparticles, just as you can order polyethylene glycol, from various supply companies who will partner with manufacturers, few questions asked, in drug or experiment formulation. Creative Biolabs is one such. Features of our services. One-stop and customizable LNPs preparation. The scalable proprietary manufacturing process. High-cost performance. Please contact us for more information. And it has a link to mrna.creativebiolabs.com stroke lipid nanoparticle.html. 
I am an English major, I'm not a medical doctor, but even I can see possible serious problems in relation to humanity being saturated via every membrane with lipid nanoparticles. Human beings are more than our bodies. So this is a massive experiment on the very essence of what makes us human. Lipid nanoparticles are not medicines. They are a delivery system. They are composed of tiny objects, minute particles of industrial fats, as noted above, that biodistribute into your bloodstream and lodge, as Dr. Chandler showed, into various of your organs, including your brain, and including, if you are a woman, accumulating in your ovaries. In the case of the mRNA injections, the LNPs are coated with four lipids, including PEG, a petroleum byproduct. PEG is a th thickening agent that is in laxatives and in creams and cosmetics. And another link to an article about uh, PEG compounds. And also an illustration of a lipid nanoparticle. Many people have noticed that their loved ones in remission from cancer or whose cancers were long resolved and now in the past have suffered resurgences of raging cancers post-vaccination. PEG, according to the David Suzuki Foundation and other critics of chemical additives, is a carcinogen. Depending on manufacturing processes, pegs may be contaminated with measurable amounts of ethylene oxide and 1,4 dioxine, dioxane, sorry. The International Agency for Research on Cancer classifies ethylene oxide as a known human carcinogen and 1,4 dioxane as a possible human carcinogen. Ethylene oxide can also harm the nervous system and the California Environmental Protection Agency has classified it as a developmental toxicant based on evidence that it may interfere with human development. 1,4 dioxane is also persistent. In other words, it doesn't easily degrade and can remain in the environment long after it is rinsed down the shower drain. 1,4 dioxane can be removed from cosmetics during the manufacturing process by vacuum stripping, but there is no easy way for consumers to know whether products containing pegs have undergone this process. In a study of personal care products marketed as natural or organic, uncertified, US researchers found 1,4 dioxane as a contaminant in 46 of 100 products analysed. While carcinogenic contaminants are the primary concern, PEG compounds themselves show some evidence of genotoxicity and if used on broken skin can cause irritation and systemic toxicity. The industry panel that reviews the safety of cosmetics ingredients concluded that some PEG compounds are not safe for use on damaged skin although the assessment generally approved of the use of these chemicals in cosmetics. Also, PEG functions as a penetration enhancer, increasing the permeability of the skin to allow greater absorption of the product, including harmful ingredients. And that links to davidsuzuki.org. So with an mRNA vaccine, you are getting lipid nanoparticles that are crossing every membrane in the human body and that are coated with potential carcinogen. 
traversing your bloodstream and lodging in the organs in your body. Can this hurt your heart? A thoroughly ignored March 2022 study from Metabolism Open Journal, Potential Implications of Lipid Nanoparticles in the Pathogenesis of Myocarditis Associated with the Use of mRNA Vaccines Against SARS-CoV-2. ScienceDirect.com article made the very reasonable case that myocarditis could be caused by the lipid nanoparticle sheath on the mRNA vaccines. COVID spike protein is also documented to cause this kind of damage. And a link again to an article on diecardiology.com. The 2021-22 Hong Kong study of mRNA injections in mice Quote, intravenous injection of coronavirus disease 2019, COVID-19, mRNA vaccine can induce acute myopericarditis in mouse model. The one that I use as exhibit A in my argument that the mRNA injections are a CCP overseen and manufactured bioweapon. Um, DOI.org showed visible white patches on the hearts of mice post-second vaccination. What is causing those white patches? According to anecdotal reports from medical workers, the hearts and lungs of severely vaccine-injured patients are also showing white patches and even crystallizations. The blood clotting problems faced by the vaccinated are now well established and blood clots and thrombocytopenia abound in the Pfizer documents. Many reasonable hypotheses have been presented for the vascular and blood damage in mRNA vaccinated people, but the industrial fats nature of the LNPs haunt me. Could these harms be affected or even possibly be caused by something as basic and mechanical as the unstable clumping LNPs? A casual aside that disturbs me considerably in many peer-reviewed studies of nanoparticle medicine is that many kinds of LNPs are solid at room and body temperature. Some LNPs that are solid at room temperature are liquid when chilled. Is the instability of LNPs as dependent on temperature affecting human beings? I do not know if any of this variation in solidity and temperature is germane to the mRNA vaccines. There is so much we do not know, but the fact that both the Moderna and Pfizer mRNA injections had at the rollout to be kept super chilled between minus 20 degrees and minus 70 degrees Celsius, the latter colder than Antarctica, has had various mushy, ever-changing explanations. This November 2020 National Public Radio article, for instance, explains the need for ultra-cold temperatures as having to do both with the mRNA and with the LNPs. It quotes Margaret Liu of the International Society for Vaccines. Here's an analogy. This is a quote. Think of the vaccine as a chocolate bar that melts easily. Just as there are ways to keep the chocolate from melting into goo, there are things the drug makers did to protect their COVID-19 vaccines. The first step, Liu says, was to modify the mRNA nucleosides, the building blocks of the RNA vaccine. They've used modified versions because those are more stable, she says. 
The next step was to use lipid nanoparticles, which, Dr. Lou explains, is kind of like putting your chocolate inside a candy coating. You have an M&M so the chocolate doesn't melt. But even with the stabilised building blocks and lipid coating, the mRNA could still fall apart easily, which is why the vaccine is frozen. Dr. Margaret Liu is not some random physician cited by NPR. She is chairman of the board of the International Society for Vaccines. And as her LinkedIn profile notes, Dr. Liu is known as the mother of DNA vaccines, a vaccine technology that paved the way for authorised COVID mRNA vaccines and which is licensed for veterinary applications and is considered crucial for addressing diseases which emerge due to pathogens that cross between humans and animals, One Health. She was instrumental in establishing the WHO Initiative for Vaccine Research, was on the committee that wrote WHO regulatory guidelines for DNA vaccines, and is the scientific lead for the WHO group drafting recommendations for mRNA vaccines. That's the end of that quote. Dr. Liu is also funded by the, guess who, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Indeed, she is the senior advisor to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation on the billion dollars that the foundation invested in vaccines. And Dr. Liu is herself a holder of multiple vaccine patents. After leading vaccine and gene therapy research at two companies and filing various patents... Margaret was asked to be the senior advisor in vaccinology for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. This, as well as helping establish the World Health Organization's Initiative for Vaccine Research, enabled her to expand from developing technologies for for global vaccines to the broader arena of global health. So, Dr. Liu is advising the WHO that is funded by China and also by Bill Gates. The Gates Foundation is the second largest contributor to the WHO. As of September 2021, it had invested nearly $780 million in its programs this year. Dr. Liu advises the WHO on mRNA vaccines, which are manufactured in a memorandum of understanding with China, per my substack, Facing the Beast, and which are using intellectual property now transferred per BioNTech's SEC filing to China. Thus, Dr. Liu, funded by Bill Gates and advising Bill Gates on his billion-dollar investment in vaccines, is also advocating to NPR, a U.S. government news agency, for the use of mRNA vaccines, which are paid for by the U.S. government, a payment that then profits China and Bill Gates. Let's follow Dr. Liu's logic. The mRNA vaccines, in order to act kind of like putting your chocolate inside a candy coating, you have an M&M so the chocolate doesn't melt, in Dr. Liu's eloquent words, these are your tax dollars at work, must be super chilled. But what happens to these materials when they are in the human body? What happens to the materials when the materials are no longer super chilled? This study, Achieving Long-Term Stability of Lipid Nanoparticles, Examining the Effect of pH, Temperature and Lyophilization by 
Bajar and Whitehead, published in the International Journal of Nanomedicine in 2017, checked the stability and behavior of LNPs during various freeze-thaw cycles and found that temperature alterations indeed degraded the efficacy of LNPs. The study also found clumping or changes in LNP particle size depending on temperature. And a quote from this study, storing the LNPs at minus 20 degrees centigrade resulted in an increase in Z average particle size as well as a significant amount of aggregation. And Naomi comments, this is the temperature at which Moderna is supposed to be stored. And then the study continues, during the freezing process, a phase separation occurs that results in the formation of an ice phase and the nanoparticle concentrated solution phase. The separation of phases has been shown to lead to irreversible fusion of nanoparticles and subsequent aggregation. Additionally, ice crystal formation during freezing could have exerted mechanical stress on the LNPs, causing them to increase in size. The damage done to the LNPs post-freeze thaw was lessened with the addition of the cryoprotectants, tree hellos and sucrose in a concentration-dependent manner. Achieving long-term stability of lipid nanoparticles, examining the effect of pH, temperature and lyophilization, published online 2016. So again, I'm not a medical doctor or a scientist and maybe this unstable and highly problematic behaviour of LMPs when temperatures vary and the fact that they clump and alter in irreversible ways at super cold and then warmer temperatures is not relevant to all at all to our current predicament and maybe the fact that LMPs alter at various temperatures does not in any way help to explain the way vaccinated people are collapsing, having strokes or and heart attacks, suffering blood and lung clots and sustaining horrific menstrual damage. But maybe this feature of lipid nanoparticles is worth a look. Moderna is supposed to be stored at minus 20 degrees Celsius, as you recall. But these are the 2022 CDC storage and handling guidelines for Moderna. And it links to a CDC article. Quote, delivery. Vaccine will arrive frozen from the manufacturer between minus 50 degrees C and minus 15 degrees C. 58 degrees sorry minus 58 fahrenheit and 5 degrees fahrenheit unpack following the manufacturer's guidance immediately the vaccine may be stored in a freezer or refrigerator guidance follows storing unpunctured vials freezer vaccine may be stored between minus 15 50 degrees c and minus 15 degrees c until the expiration date Store vials upright in the tray or box, protected from light. Do not store with dry ice or below minus 50 degrees C, minus 58 degrees Fahrenheit. Determine the expiration date by scanning the QR code on the outer carton or go to modernacovid19global.com forward slash vial dash lookup. 
This alone should cause alarm. There is no expiration date on the vials. You have to scan a digital code or go online to check the sell-by date, commented Naomi. Refrigerator. Vaccine may be stored between 2 degrees C and 8 degrees C, 36 degrees Fahrenheit and 46 degrees Fahrenheit for up to 30 days. Do not refreeze thawed vaccine. Store vials upright in the tray or box protected from light. Use tracking labels to monitor the 30-day beyond use date. Cool stroke room temperature. Vaccine may be stored between 8 degrees C to 25 degrees C. That's 46 Fahrenheit to 77 degrees Fahrenheit for a total of 24 hours. Do not refreeze thawed vaccine. Store vials upright in the tray or box protected from light. Track this 24-hour beyond use time. Storing punctured vials. Vaccine may be stored between 2 degrees C and 25 degrees C, 36 Fahrenheit and 77 degrees Fahrenheit for up to 12 hours. Discard vial and any remaining vaccine after 12 hours. Thawed vials can be handled in room-like conditions. Total storage at 8 degrees C to 25 degrees C, 46 Fahrenheit to 77 Fahrenheit, must not exceed 24 hours. End of quote. So, either the vaccine never needed to be stored at minus 50 to minus 20 Celsius, colder than Antarctica, or it did. And the CDC is contradicting the manufacturer's warnings and telling clinics, what the heck, none of that matters. You can refrigerate it to up to 46 degrees Fahrenheit, a cool fall day, for 30 days. Or, hey, you can keep it at room temperature for 24 hours. Indeed, at temperatures up to 77 degrees Fahrenheit, a spring day in in Florida, whatevs. But unless something fundamental has changed since 2017, or unless the vaccine's handling needs have changed since rollout, this variability in storage guidelines may well risk affecting the behaviour of the LNPs. Another commentator declared that, quote, the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine must be stored at ultra-low freezing temperatures, about minus 100 degrees Fahrenheit. This temperature falls well below what's found in a standard freezer, explains Dr. John Cook, medical director of the RNA Therapeutics Programme at Houston Methodist. In fact, the type of freezers needed to store this vaccine long term, he continues, aren't ones that you'll find in a doctor's office, drugstore or even most hospitals. The Moderna COVID-19 vaccine also needs to to be kept frozen for long-term stability, but it can be kept in a standard refrigerator in a clinic for a few weeks, end quote. So what then? Does the material need to be ultra super cold frozen to work at all or totally not? Just pop it in the fridge, dude. The gibberish continues. The CDC temperature log from August 21 says that above minus 76 degrees, Pfizer storage temperature is out of range. But this one from September 2022 says up to 46 degrees Fahrenheit in the fridge for 30 days is just fine. 
This one will baffle you even more. It also says that the vaccine must be stored at as low as minus 130 degrees to minus 76 degrees Fahrenheit. But it can also be kept in the fridge at up to 46 degrees Fahrenheit. And you can expect that COVID will not go away since the vials depicted march their way through all of 2023, January to December. And this refers to a screenshot of a diagram in a CDC PDF about storage. And what do you make of this Alice in Wonderland style instruction? Use tracking labels to monitor the 10 weeks beyond use date. So are these wildly varying temperature requirements science-based requirements or are they fungible? Are these impossible instructions meant to keep us all protected or possibly even to ensure that mistakes will be made? Karen Kingston, the whistleblower regarding pharmaceutical production problems, recently added to the massive evidence we have located here, confirming that the vaccines like the virus originated under the aegis of the CCP. Kingston noted that per CDC, nine of the CDC trials for the 2020 vaccine rollout were overseen by China. One, I must note, unbelievably, was overseen by the People's Liberation Army. Kingston also reported that the lipid nanoparticles are manufactured in China. I checked, and she is right. Now, I'm going to jump down a bit here because there's a lot more to cover. Given how temperatures grossly affect the behaviour of lipid nanoparticles, is all this casual variability in temperature and storage instructions safe? Is the manufacturing of an unstable injection, which is now largely or entirely in the hands of our existential enemies, safe? This scenario and the questions it raises and the fact that this injection is manufactured by our existential adversary, as my essay Facing the Beast had proven, remind me of those crime scene riddles in which the murder weapon is an icicle that has melted and so is now not visible or that is in some other way perfectly vanished or obscured. A medium that carries the mRNA and spike protein, the active ingredients which are naturally enough demanding the attention of most, but a medium that itself could cause problems to the blood, brain, ovaries or other organs, depending on temperature, would be a hell of a way to kill or disable a targeted population slowly, mystifyingly and with no fingerprints. Then there is the way that the lipid nanoparticles may be affecting humans in other ways. Many have spoken, as I noted above, about how their loved ones, especially right after injections, can seem intellectually rigid or emotionally cold or altered in their thinking. Can these lipid nanoparticles possibly help to explain this devastating, hard to describe change in many of those around us? We know that LNPs are gumming up, in both men and women, the factories of hormones. Dr Chandler has shown that they disrupt the ovaries. And Amy Kelly has shown that they disrupt the Leydig and Sertoli cells, the factories of masculinity, the generators of testosterone in the testes. Thus, the LNPs are indeed impairing sexual signalling and even changing and dampening or deleting human desire. 
the lipid nanoparticles may hold a clue to these subtle changes. The LNPs may indeed be changing those we love by possibly affecting nerve conductivity. I am sensitive to neurological issues since I have a serious neurological condition myself and I am as a result fascinated by the so fragile and so magical nature of nerve conductivity how temperament and sensation and mobility and even thought itself can depend on the health or interruption of neural impulses. I kept thinking about how the brain and heart depend on neural impulses and I wondered if there was a clue there for this sense of absence that many report in interacting with their loved ones post-vaccination. I asked Dr. Chris Flowers, one of the War Room Daily Clout Pfizer documents research volunteers, if the LNPs could affect the nerve conductivity of the brain or of the heart. He responded with a document, Conjectural Analysis of LNPs Affecting Nerves in Brain and Heart, that starts with the effect of LNPs on the brain. Quote, the nervous system is the mechanism that the brain uses to communicate with various organs in the body. It is composed of neurons, composed of axons surrounded by myelin supported by oligodendrocytes. The axons are wrapped in myelin which acts as an electrical insulator. Axons are the nerve structures themselves. Oligodendrocytes form the electrical insulation around the axons of nerve cells in the central nervous system, brain. These cells grow the myelin on up to five nearby axons through their feet, dendrites. These are important cells as they also participate in the maintenance of the nerve, providing sustenance to the neurons and maintaining the long-term stability of myelin. In, a, in the peripheral nervous system, a similar cell to oligodendrocytes with the same functions are the swan cells, schwann, I should say. For nerves to act as rapid conductors of messages, it requires that the axons, nerves, are coated with sheets of myelin. So what could happen if these supporting cells malfunction? Number one, oligodendrocytes, as these are in the brain, could malfunction due to either LNPs or to spike protein. Either could cause them to lose the myelin sheath. This damage to the myelin sheath could cause mental issues or neurological system symptoms or signs. Two, Schwann cells, similar to damage within the brain in oligodendrocytes, these cells, if damaged, would allow the myelin surrounding the nerves to deteriorate, then effectively to be removed. This deterioration could end up causing symptoms such as multiple sclerosis, and this degradation could also be responsible for some of the many known neurological adverse events demonstrated in the Pfizer documents. There is a possibility of LNPs being absorbed into the myelin sheaths themselves or even into the oligodendrocytes. In either of these cases, the cells will begin to malfunction and the end result is a degree of demyelination or even complete demyelination. It has been conjectured that deterioration in the function of oligodendrocytes could be a cause of ageing, stroke, brain fog, stroke, dementia. Another potential cause of brain damage will be the spike protein being introduced into the brain due to the LNP's ability to cross the blood-brain barrier. 
So the answer is yes, lipid nanoparticles could conceivably affect the nervous system and thus specifically the brain. The fact that lipid nanoparticles could indeed be degrading human nervous systems, meaning degrading the human spirit itself, is abundantly clear in Project Director Amy Kelly's search in the Pfizer documents. Using our search tool Abstractor of variations on the word myelin and myelitis. On this myelin, on these impulses, depend thought, movement, dreams, imagination, prayer, desire and fulfilment, the sense of touch and sensation. I remember having been stunned to see mentions of MS as a side effect in the Pfizer documents. How could that be? And Miss Kelly's results are even more stunning, even as Dr. Flower's explanation makes clear exactly how these horrifying results could have come to pass. And then she lists the side effects that are listed from the Pfizer documents. So these industrial fats, saturating as they do through every membrane, are crossing the blood-brain barrier. Thus, they can indeed be changing the very brains of our loved ones. The lipid nanoparticles cross every membrane, brain, heart, testes, ovaries. Thoughts, love, desire, conception, dreams, imagination, inspiration, perhaps even the sense of God. And incidentally, we have had reports that people who have been vaccinated feel as though they've lost their connection with the spirit. So meanwhile, until we know more, consider... Could these results, damaged hearts, lowered sexual desire and potency, lessened human bonding, the various forms of male and female sterilization on which we have reported earlier, the rigidified thinking due to industrial fats accumulating in the brain, not to mention the physical dangers of industrial fats and carcinogens zooming through the bloodstreams of the citizens of the West, with each booster adding to the body's burden of lipid nanoparticles, all be possibly features of this bioweapon? What better way to kill the hard-to-oppress characteristics of free men and women, degrade their energy, their aspiration, their skills at forming bonds, indeed their very ability to engage in nuanced, expansive, compassionate, critical thought? What better way, indeed, to murder the troublesome West? Now, on the subject of the danger of vaccines, from another point of view, um, Steve Kirsch reports on the Florida study that shows mRNA COVID vaccines kill kids. And this was published yesterday. And it says State Surgeon General Dr. Joseph A. Ladapo issues new mRNA COVID-19 vaccine guidance. And this is Florida, Florida State Surgeon General. And the report says from Tallahassee, Florida, today State Surgeon General Dr. Joseph A. Ladapo has announced new guidance regarding mRNA vaccines. The Florida Department of Health conducted an analysis through a self-controlled case series, which is a technique originally developed to evaluate vaccine safety. Today, State Surgeon General Dr. Joseph A. Ladapo has announced new guidance regarding mRNA vaccines. This analysis found that there is an 84% increase in the relative incidence of cardiac-related death among males 18 to 39 years old within 28 days following mRNA vaccination. 
With a high level of global immunity to COVID-19, the benefit of vaccination is likely outweighed by this abnormally high risk of cardiac-related death among men in this age group. Non-mRNA vaccines were not found to have these increased risks. As such, the state surgeon general recommends against males aged 18 to 39 from receiving mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. Those with pre-existing conditions, cardiac conditions, such as myocarditis and pericarditis, should take particular caution when making this decision. So that's just showing that all these young people dropping dead are directly related to the vaccine, which we've known all along. And yet you've got these stupid reports from the mainstream media blaming it on climate change and the temperatures and all sorts of ridiculous uh, reasons, or just saying they're completely puzzled by the incidence of these uh, deaths from heart failure. It's uh, criminal. And speaking of which, Tom Rents, who is the lawyer who spoke, I think it was at some of Ron Johnson's uh, roundtables on the subject of uh, vaccine injuries and so on. He's put out a new substack, Justice, Accountability is Coming for All Things COVID. In my last article, I asked what would be done about the creation of SARS-CoV-2. That article focused on political and public aspects of the question. I have and will continue to offer for free my assistance to any elected official that credibly wants to fight this. But here I'm going to answer my own question on the private side of things. The answer to who and what will be done about the death and carnage released on the people of the world is that we the people will do things like this. Wrens files lawsuit on the creation of SARS-CoV-2 and we will keep doing it until there is real accountability. Let me begin this by telling you a bit about the case. First, please understand that this is a real lawsuit and so it must be treated with respect. My ability to comment on it is limited and it is far too important for us to fail to be careful. That said, we have filed this case in a state court in New York and it lists a handful of defendants that we allege were responsible for creating the disease that has, according to the WHO, killed over six and a half million people globally. We also list John and Jane Doe because it may well be that as the case progresses, there will be other necessary defendants that we will add to the lawsuit. Within the complaint, we discuss the creation of the disease and the injuries it created in our plaintiffs. We then talk about the legal mechanisms, counts, by which we are basing the case, even though we have not really publicised this much yet. I am already getting a lot of questions. I'm glad the case is resonating and hope people keep asking. While I cannot answer most of the questions because it would disclose legal strategy, I can tell you that I have been working on this case for months and we have a ton of reasons for everything we did. No one knows what will happen when you file a suit like this, but my team, thank you MAFA, um, Make America Free Again, Patty and others, and I have done everything we could do to research every detail and ensure there are no holes in the larger litigation strategy.
In terms of the accountability, please know that this is only the first step. On a personal level, I do not know that I will ever fully recover from the hundreds or thousands of people I spoke to begging for help that ended up dying or losing loved ones because I simply could not make more time in the day. For my part, this simply cannot end until there is accountability for all involved and I have many more things I'm working on to ensure it. With that said, please understand that I am one person with a small team, very limited funding and cannot make more time in the day. So this will not happen tomorrow. I pray frequently for strength to continue the fight and that God keeps me from deviating from the path. I would be honoured by prayers from anyone reading this that is inclined to provide them. At the end of the day, the crime that was and is COVID-19 will be revealed. We will win this fight and there will be accountability. There will be accountability for the disease, the hospital murders, the jabs, the lockdowns and everything else. And we will do everything we can to ensure that every single person that profited from this crime against humanity pays the price. I end this article with this. For all of you that have made the trillions of dollars off of the death and carnage that is COVID in any sort of corrupt way, know this. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but we the people are coming for you. We will not deviate from our peaceful path towards accountability and you will be held accountable. So enjoy your ill-gotten wealth for today, but make sure you never stop looking over your shoulders because the millions dead demand accountability and whether from me or my betters, you will pay. So I'm very glad to see that accountability is coming. Let's hope Tom Renz succeeds in his lawsuit and bring these demonic people who are responsible for all the deaths, not only from COVID, from these uh, remdesivir and ventilator treatments that kill people, and of course from the death jab itself. Um, yes. So... Um, I'm going to finish a little bit early because I'm having trouble with my computer today and um, I'd like to thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me for another Cosmic Creating show next week and thank you to Nancy for producing and to Derek Condit for being the sponsor of Cosmic Reality Radio. Visit his website at mysticalwares.com and support him with uh, purchases from his wonderful range of shungite and other metaphysical products. So until next time, stay safe, be well and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you.